On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. And I'm here with my co-host, partner in crime, troublemaker, husband, tech guy. I think I covered everything, John C. Luna. I want to put all that on a business card. <laughs> I think I might need a bigger, like a po- I'll just hand out postcards with the list of things I do on there. So we have a brand new intro. So hopefully everybody enjoy the new intro. We are so blessed because it was one of our guests, Goddess Amberly. Dominic, uh, what was it? Dominatrix Financial? Oh, she's going to tell me. She does a lot of different uh, domination, including financial. But um, I've heard her, uh, how would you put it? Uh, Dominate and degrade. And that girl is good. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So tonight we want to welcome back Miss Ruby Johnson. And we're going to be talking tonight about Polly Dallas Millennium 2018. Welcome to the show, Ruby. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Oh, definitely. So please explain more what Polly Dallas Millennium is about. Um, Polly Dallas, uh, the entire symposium is dedicated to um, showcasing people of color uh, within the queer, uh, trans, gender queer, sexually fluid, same gender loving, (laughs) um, within the community that people do not typically showcase. And so that is basically what we do. And we have our, our mission and we have our vision on our website. So I'm giving a basic synopsis. And our theme this year is rewriting the rules. It is from the book by Meg John Barker. And I'll be happy to talk about that later if you like. Oh, we would like to talk about everything. You know us. We're always dying for information <laughs> and learning new things. I mean, girl, you always have something up your sleeve. And we're like, what? Huh? What? But I, I, I do definitely love the topic, rewriting the rules. Oh, yeah. And, and then yeah. the choices. Awesome. Yeah, the choices that you gave for people to submit their proposal was wow. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's all about being provocative and outside of the box, not being afraid to go down roads and, you know, corners and all of those places that people tend to avoid within the sexuality field and within life in general. And so the polyamorous community can be very concerned about how we present ourselves within the public eye because we are under such scrutiny. So giving a platform, giving a community, giving a place where there is freedom of sexual expression, freedom of love styles is, to me, the most beautiful part of Polly Dallas. Oh, yeah, because you literally bring everybody from every walk of life. And I mean, we saw the lineup mm-hmm. this year in 2017 and, and a couple of your presenters were doing Facebook live. So I was, I'm like trying to catch them because they were some great 
passionate conversations and some more um, passionate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this current uh, symposium actually was one of the best, I think, in the way of energy, in the way of community, the level of enthusiasm during and after really blew my mind. We even had our first um, reporter attend the conference or the symposium, and she went to one of the workshops, the one with Marla Stewart from Sex Down South, and Ooh. it was a write-up in the Dallas Observer, yeah. Yeah, and that's a good one because she, wow, because we, we attended Sex Down South last year, and that, that's a powerhouse. Was, uh, that's awesome. It was two years ago because, unfortunately, yeah. no, it was last, last year. It was last year, babe. Sex Down South? Yeah. This year they didn't have it, but they had that's it right. last year. That's right. <laughs> yeah, all the conferences are blurring with us. I know that. Well, I definitely remember being in Atlanta and having a wonderful time there. So, <laughs> You were one of two white guys. No, I think there were five. Awesome. But I... <laughs> Come on. We went to Woodhall and we ran into one of the speakers and they say, oh, yeah, I remember you pointing to John, but I don't remember you because I'm kind of dark skinned. So I kind of blended with everybody else. <laughs> there were only like um, 10 white people at Poly Dallas. And so there were a lot of, of and it was um, some clinicians mainly. And so I saw a lot of people do personal blogs about what they learned about themselves. You know, Cunning Minx was there and she wrote a blog about, you know, the level of impact because it was very impactful last year. And I'm hoping that we have a lot more um, diversity this year with our speakers, you know, because they're Puerto Rican. Um, we have a young lady who's Muslim speaking about how that works. And so it's just, we have an attorney coming in. So it's going to be really, really dope. I haven't used the word dope in about 15 years. <laughs> I, I think some people might remember that. <laughs> Hopefully it speaks to, to our listeners because, yes, dope. Yes. Do do, let's see, dope. I'm trying to think of what other words uh, we, we could go with. Fresh. It was. It could be fresh. Listen uh, <laughs> to how he said that. I know. That's why I'm shaking my head in embarrassment. I should have just like had that video. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Like fresh. You know, it, it kind of sounds like a sexual stroke or something. Just because. Fresh. As I'm saying it, I'm actually hearing that about what late early's '90s song. Remember. Fresh, she's so fresh. Yeah. yeah, that's what's going in my head as I say the word. So, <laughs> I have the bag of shame from Sylvester Junior. You know, remember those old Warner Brothers cartoons? It's like I'm so ashamed. I'm so. I still love you. Well, okay. I grew up in New York City in the '80s, and obviously, it's a place that is very diverse. But in the same, at the same time, the neighborhoods at that point. Were, were almost, I mean, the line was, was a definite line of this was the Italian neighborhood, and this was the black neighborhood, and this was the Irish neighborhood, and, you know, you know it was very weird. Um, the high school I went to was predominantly white. Um, it was an all-boys Catholic school. Who could afford that? Yeah, well, if I had the choice. <laughs> um, 
And then I also had another school not too far from my house called John Adams High School that, again, was predominantly black. And I just kind of grew up with that. And the whole separation thing was there. It was never, ever a thing, though. Um, but it wasn't until starting to go to these conventions now, again, many, many years later, and you go to something like ASAC or um, what was the one in D.C.? Woodhall. Woodhall. And, again, it's, it's three to 500 people. And maybe three of them of color. And mm. it was, yeah, it was really refreshing doing the opposite. And it by no means was any negative feeling. It was just nice sitting here like, oh my God, this is what, this is what people of color feel like when I was in Atlanta. When, you know, and well, I'm the only white person and I still had, I mean, I had a wonderful time. I would go back there in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. It's coming up in July. And Mm -hmm. today was the last day for the proposal. So, I know you're busy uh, going through all of those. But um, do we have the hotel and everything set? Yes, we do. Um, It is at Embassy Suites by Hilton Dallas DFW Airport North. Yes, I know that's a big one. Um, it, it and it's in Grapevine. We are, you know, this is the first time we actually went outside of Dallas proper because we couldn't get um, the price that we got with Embassy Suites. We couldn't find that in Dallas, which makes sense. And so um, Grapevine, they we hired this agency to find. A hotel for us and they found it and I'm in love with it it is beautiful and the hotel rates that we got 139 a night for a suite that is if you go online yeah you go online even you know hotels.com has it at 207 dollars so and we got this price for three years because we signed a three-year contract nice this is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be like a hotel takeover? <laughs> I wish. We can um, <laughs> this, it, it is going to be a floor takeover, and we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess we could talk about it online. So <laughs> this is kind of what happened at the Crown Plaza. We took over an entire floor. The Crown wanted to make sure that we were all in one space. They were a little concerned, you know. And so Embassy Suites, I told them the same thing. I said, if you can get us all on one floor, that would be awesome. And it would be better for your guests, other guests outside of the hotel. Um, Because even though you tell them to have decorum, our attendees enjoy celebrating. Um, So, yeah, that's it's going to be a floor takeover. Well, that, that that sounds good, but being being uh, a poly convention, uh, I could imagine it. How would you put it? It's a little less obvious than if you were having a kink or a swinger convention, you know. Uh, as, yes. As, yes. Yeah, we we can blend in a bit more as poly. <laughs> and also, I do want to emphasize, you know, I was um, being tongue and cheek, but. There were, there are misconceptions about what Poly Dallas Millennium is, um, and I heard someone describe the conference this way, the symposium, 
they um, described it as the activist symposium. And because there's so many people who are advocates and, and activists and researchers and et cetera. And so when attendees come, they appreciate that it's not so sexualized. And so, but after six o'clock, whatever happens is beyond my control. I'm in my room. So, um, but we have some wonderful celebrations um, lined up for after hours for people to be entertained. But I do want to emphasize the symposium is a lot of fun. It's family friendly. Um, family friendly. We say bring your kids. There's workshops on parenting. Um, one of our presenters is bringing their three year old toddler, I believe, and so. I think I want to emphasize that also. No, that's wonderful. I mean, Polly, I think in the last three to five years, Polly has really come much more into the spotlight. And people are, mm-hmm. um, not everyone can come out, but more people are, are coming out as Polly. And it's one of those topics, unlike kink and unlike um, swinging in other lifestyles, that does affect the whole family. Um because bringing another relationship when there's children involved, um, obviously it's much more complex because it, it's a life choice. And we know several yeah. um, triads now raising children. And again, they've been to our friends have been together many years. We're seeing the real benefits of having more parents. Is the best way I can put it. Um, I keep going back to that saying: it takes a uh, what a village to raise a child. And mm-hmm. We totally went the opposite way for a while in, in American society that, you know, you had your parents and they went off to work and you had your daycare and you had them for a few hours a day. And it was kind of a very small pool of people raising you. And this just seems like it's, it's becoming more of an option and, and beneficial to not only the parents, but the children of having a, a larger support system to raise them. Yes. And... I want to talk about that because that's very, very, um, very, very important point. But there is a book that we're going to have signing. Um, the author is going to be there signing books. It's a brand new book. It's called It's Called Polyamory, Coming Out About Your Non-Monogamous Relationships. And so she goes into the cultural aspects. You know, like, for example, my husband is white. I'm black. So he wants to come out and be all happy. His parents are supportive, and et cetera. I'm like, slow your roll, because <laughs> it's, not, it's not like that on this side. You know, I have to be a lot more, you know, a little slower, you know, a little gentler. So here's how basically I told my mom. I might have told you this story last time. Um, she worked the symposium, and she also works in my office. She's 70 years old. So she was working the registration table. And I think she figured out that I was polyamorous and what the conference was about. (laughs) And we didn't discuss it afterwards. But she's um, volunteering again this year. So you get to meet my mama. Oh, that's awesome. Brave soul there. That's like, okay, I love you, darling, but we're not going to talk about that, okay? (laughs) Yes, yes. And my sister um, is our money handler. And so... And she's very, very, very monogamous. And so, but the conference has impacted her. 
And, you know, I hope she doesn't hate me because I'm saying this, but, you know, she's, you know, dipping her toe into it a little bit and I'm super proud of her. That's awesome. Definitely. Especially (laughs) even the big step of dipping the toe. That that is room mm-hmm. for change. That's openness right there. Okay, that that is always a success for me. Well, for the most part, yeah. I, I can just hope for uh, education and acceptance of it because it it isn't for everyone. Non monogamy. Um, we used to have a saying that non monogamy isn't anti monogamy. We're not against it. We're just right. you know we've we've tried it and didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. And um, yeah. we're more suited for a, you know, just a different style of relationships. Yeah, and we actually have a couple of um, presenters who are going to present on topics for monogamous, specifically for monogamous couples, because just as much emphasis on all love styles. And so that was something that um, one of our attendees last year said, well, they said, well, since you're for all relationships, I don't see anything on heterosexual monogamous relationships. I said, what? I look, I said, oh my goodness, no, there isn't. So that's kind of a different flip from what I usually see at conferences, you know, but it's not that it was intentional. It was that it wasn't on the front of my brain. And I find that very interesting with myself also. Well, I also see it as a great um, segue for someone to say, hey, they're having a monogamy uh, session that I'd really like to visit. And then, you know, while we're here, why don't we also go over and just check this out to see what it's about? So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Come and stay. One of the most um, interesting dynamics I find, and I found it more than once, is a relationship where one partner is monogamous and the other partner is poly. Yes. And... Um, we call those monopoly relationships. Yeah. Ah, there's a name for it. Monopoly. Yes. <laughs> monopoly. Yeah, some Ooh. people say monopoly, but we try not to do that. Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, monopoly, I got that one down. Um, then since we're going on definitions, how, how would you explain the term solo poly? Um, solo, solo poly is the, ind- the individual who doesn't want to have a, you know, basically, I don't want to say a anchor partner because that wouldn't be correct. I would say they don't want to be tied down within one relationship and they don't want their other relationships to mix, you know, and they want to be on their own. It's not a coupleship. It's not anything like that. They simply want to have relationships where they can be themselves and not have to answer to anyone. And it's none of anybody's business. What they do is whatever I do in front of this individual right here. And that's the way I understand it to be, unless y'all have a different understanding. No, no, I've heard that before. And I always, uh, when someone presented that to me, I'm like, okay, so you're dating. Because it, it, it's kind of saying, yes, I'm poly, but I am dating multiple people. I'm not looking for this mm-hmm. to move on. It might have, you know, of course, things are fluid. It may change. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I love the crossover between poly and 
what people do is serial monogamy because it does cross quite a bit. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, looking at solo poly, everyone knows about each other versus a cheater or a player that they're dating several different people, but the other people don't know about each other. So that's where you get the gray line. True, but if uh, we'll we'll say in in a normal vanilla relationship, you say, I'm just openly dating, meaning... We go out, we have fun, maybe sex, maybe not, Mm -hmm. but there's no commitment at that point. It's fun, which sounds a lot closer to what solo poly is defined as. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hmm. They can have committed relationships if they um, so choose. And when I say committed, I'm going to stop saying that, actually. I'm removing that out of my vocabulary because non-committed really isn't a thing really, if you think about it, because I'm committed to y'all right now. You know, I committed to be here at a certain time. And so, and I'm following, following through with my commitment. And once I'm done, my commitment is over short term, long term, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what y'all think about that. I'm, I'm thinking definitions are changing faster than I can keep up. Absolutely. I, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what was it? We had uh, someone who was explaining all the different gender vocabulary and what, because remember I had that argument on Facebook that I offended somebody because I didn't use the right pronoun or verb on a person. And I'm like, I- I'm sorry, I didn't even know it was changing this quickly and that's already outdated. Well, we've had that mm-hmm. discussion. We've had discussion on, okay, pansexual versus bisexual. What's the difference? And I've heard people say, absolutely none. And I've heard some people say, well, bisexual means you like men and women. And tran isn't exactly talked about. Well, pan means everybody. I'm like, eh. I, I guess, for, like I said, with all these definitions changing, I find every region and every group seems to have their own slight variances. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, there's um, a lot of there's a lot of conflation with demisexual and pansexual, and then you know there is erosexual, and so there's a whole lot going on there, and there can become it can look like a oversaturation, but what is really happening is folks are finding their identity. And so they feel free and they create their own language behind it. It's the kind of, um, it's kind of like same gender loving. It was created in the 1960s because um, black folks wanted to separate themselves from, um, you know, white, I know this feels so awful, um, (laughs) white folks who are um, same gender loving and they wanted their own identity because they did not feel that their needs were being met within that community that was all together. So the segregation created a more focused centering of what they need and who they were. Huh. I Have wanted... you heard of same gender loving? Oh, go ahead. no, gender loving. No, gender... I haven't. I have, and I just thought it was kind of like a Southern thing, the gender loving, because of the separation of 
people of color and whites. So gender loving mm-hmm. meaning loving all genders. Well, no, same of, same so, gender loving. S G L. Yeah. Same gender loving. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a southern thing. It was actually started in New York. I'm googling the guy's name right now. Um. I used to know this stuff by heart, but since menopause set in, <laughs> gone. <laughs> um, let's see. Same gender loving. Here it is under Wikipedia. Uh, Cleo Monago. Cleo Monago. Monago. That. That's the person who identified it. Coined the term. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how people change definitions throughout the years to fit what society is feeling and make them feel better about themselves, I guess. I, I, I still don't understand when they change vocabulary that often. Well, it's usually done with um, bringing in the political as well as the social feelings of the time. So um, going into the transgender... Uh, there was a medical term. I'm trying to remember what it was that was used. Um, it wasn't transgender. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, you'll see it on porn sites, but in, in real life and socializing with people, they're like, yeah, that, that's a medical term that's no longer used, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. Uh, I actually want to go back um, because you mentioned demisexual. I was actually at a poly meeting last week. And had someone explain, because I identified as, uh, as demisexual. I want to hear your definition, and then I want to say what I heard and see if it matches. <laughs> this is an individual that um, needs to know the person more on an intellectual, emotional um, level, a mental level, before there is um, sexual activity. You know, there can be, you know, hand-holding and affection which I consider sexual. Um, however, for it to progress into or escalate into more intimate sexual behaviors, there has to be more than just a casual um, interaction. And that is exactly the definition I got. And, and being the logical-minded person, I'm like, that, that, that does explain pretty much the person's... Um, we'll say mating habits for lack of a better term coming to me. But I'm like, so can you blend that with I'm demi bisexual, I'm demi straight sexual. It's, it sounded like we'd start putting stuff together to more describe you. And I'm like that, you know, gets long like a business card now. <laughs> hmm. I'm not going to tell you with one of my colleagues. It's like three sentences and I'm like, mm, mm, mm. I love them, but I'm going to abbreviate. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you come up with your own abbreviation. That's why I just stick to relationship anarchy. It's just simple. Everything under the weather, that's us. It's relationship anarchy. It's just so much easier. Two words. I don't don't erase anything, but I just condense it because I love them and I want to honor who they are as individuals and be respectful. Yet I have like five minutes on the phone call. So we got to do something. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, and I do want to come back around to 
the creating of language and where this comes from. And it's actually what I just mentioned, which is erasure. There's a lot of um, communities, ethnicities, you know, tradition, culture that has been um, erased from history, from existence, starting all the way back to when this country started. And so the colonization has basically um, over, you know, just erased any of the texture and narratives and stories. And so people are coming into the forefront saying, okay, I understand how I was colonized. I understand how there's a lot of myths and stereotypes and stigma attached to how you have told the story about me and I haven't had the opportunity to tell my own story. And so that's where the language and the creating of language comes from. It comes from wanting to have radical expression, self-expression, plus it goes into, I still need to be able to communicate, you know, with language with you. So this is my meaning and I we we're, we're now going to have a shared meaning. Hmm. Makes sense. That was heavy. Do you want me to repeat? No. <laughs> repeat it. Well, no, I was just thinking about you're true. It's it's we do it through society and we've been doing it throughout history and the groups that love to do it are the teenagers because they're the ones trying to find their place in the world at the same time trying to be completely different from their parents. And trying to erase history, too, based on their views. And it's, no. Well, they're learning history at that point. ah, I think the Will and Grace episode, a couple of uh, episodes where Will is trying to educate a millennium about the history of the LGBT gay rights movement. And, you know, instead of just doing the one night stand hookup, he just kept... You know, it's like, oh, no, you're getting a history lesson and going over all the fights and things when the kid's like, I don't care. I just want to have sex. So, Well, I think that's also an impulsive thing of youth. You just want, you know, when you're 18, you just want to have sex. Not that you don't want to at 40 something, but, you know, uh, you need a little more mental stimulation at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> tell, now, t- tell us more. How did the the first you know Poly Dallas start, and how it's transitioned over the years? Because is this going to be the twenty eighteenth? Going to be the fourth or the fifth one? I I was just trying to. It's going to be the fourth. It's the fourth. Be the okay. fourth one. Yeah, and year number five is going to be fantastic. You know, I've already got that planned out right. But anyway, um, the fourth one is how it started. It started in twenty fifteen. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and so part of what I took on um, as a clinician who's wanting to do and deal with um, various sexual identities and gender identities, I was hoping to develop a community that was aware of all that was going on. Here in Dallas, it's about 65, 70% of the therapists are um, Christian, and a lot of them refer in the Plano area, um, refer individuals whom they feel they can't deal with. 
Um, for, I've got them from, you know, gay couples, lesbian couples, kink couples, you know, poly couples. They don't want to deal. And so not that every Christian person is like that. It's the ones that refer to me that I'm speaking of. And I decided to, okay, I'm going to go and do some workshops. I want to do continuing education units for folks who are, may not be familiar with it. So the first one um, I had was called Affirming, uh, Affirming Clinicians Non-Consensual uh, Non-Monogamous Relationships. It was a very cumbersome title. And it was held in my office, and I didn't expect anyone to come. You know, when I put on last, you know, other workshops, it was just one or two attendees. If it was kink or BDSM, um, many people are like, "Well, I'm not going to ever deal with that client. Why would I want to go to an education about it?" And I said, "And you will never deal with that client because you don't go to an education about it." Mm-hmm. And I had thirty people in my little office it was so hot and so (laughs) it was me and a colleague and we did a six-hour workshop sweating our butts off Um, oh wow yes we did a six-hour workshop just two people and then when I did the um, surveys they said this cannot be a six-hour one-day workshop this needs to be over two days So I did that. The second one in 2016 was a day and a half. And then surveys come back. This needs to be longer. So (laughs) I did three days. And this year I'm doing three days. That's how it flowed. Wow. Well, in, in a way, I do have to respect at least the therapist who say, okay, this is a client I can help and Mm -hmm. turning them over to you. Um, because I, I've actually heard of therapists that right away assume, well, your problem is poly and just can't get past that part of your problem is the mm-hmm. open relationship and never actually get to the issues when that is just who they are. Yes, that is very true. But the un- unfortunate thing is the client cannot, you know, when they contact the people, you know, the therapist in the first assessment, when they mention anything about um, relationships, if they say that they're polyamorous, but they didn't even come in there for that, they still refer them over to me. And that's my, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable for the client It's you know, it's uncomfortable for the person who may be seeking treatment for the first time, and already has a lot of, you know, trepidation about even sharing who they are and then to have someone refer them to me because you know there's polyamory and all kinds of sex stuff about me on the internet so they think i'm a deviant here in dallas (laughs) well aren't you my god look at all the stuff you talk about everything's taboo I mean, did you sign all your waivers about your dildos you know that it's only used for sex education purposes come on you don't want to know what my office does. I'm my, I'm my own HR. I'm my own, you know, 
I pay myself. I'm not going to fire me. So. Oh, you're not going to report yeah. yourself to the government there that you have more than three dildos. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know what's in my closet. <laughs> this is a joke for all of the re uh, regulatory agencies. I don't really have anything in my closet. Bullshit. <laughs> Yes, and for everyone who's not understanding our little inside jokes, please Google YouTube, Dildo's Diaries, and you will understand what we are talking about, the legislation laws in Dallas, where you could have as many guns as possible, but only limited, what, three dildos? If you have six, then you're a serial killer or something. I don't remember. I, I mean, it was so horrible that SNL made a skit about it. I'm like, oh, my God, they know Texas law. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's been the, the struggle here in Dallas because I, I look at, you know, conferences like Sex Down South. You know, the first year, you know, 300 attendees. Second year, 400 attendees. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, Atlanta is the black mecca, of course, you know, but here in Dallas, they've had so many attempts on, you know, sexuality events being here. And it's just not the community's thing until Poly Dallas. And we're getting on the map now. We have um, Woodhull coming in to partner with us on doing a, you know, town hall on sexual violence. And so there is a lot more momentum coming about because, you know, we're still very small. When you come to see us, you know, we're still, you know, about 150 to 200 attendees. It's very small, very intimate. Mm -hmm. But we started at 30. So. It is just good to see that growth, continual growth. Right, but I'm almost yeah. thinking that maybe this year it might kind of double the way she's really promoting it and getting out there and getting the word out about Polly Dallas. So yeah, don't be that's surprised. that's what people keep telling me. <laughs> that's what people keep telling me. I mean, we have some wonderful speakers coming. Somebody from England, Canada. We're now international. So. Oh, yeah, you're going double for sure because that even happened to uh, Florida Power Exchange they moved to a bigger hotel, and they even outgrew the new hotel their first year there. And they have a three-year commitment, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. I hope it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. going to happen to you, so get, get ready to negotiate a, another floor here. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. I mean, you know, we've already had you twice, so twice on, you know, the radar from our audience, they already know. July 13th, Polly Dallas. Got to go, oh, that will be our six-year anniversary. Actually, you're right. So, yes, we'll be celebrating our six-year anniversary at Polly Dallas. Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. We have to do something special. Got to add something else to my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I made sure we got married on Friday the 13th. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm doing this and we're doing it right. Friday the 13th, man. <laughs> okay, well, if you... The wedding does have to... I'll make this short, though. <laughs> we ended up eloping in Vegas. And the line I will say is, we got married on a boat in the desert on Friday the 13th, and not realizing it, my wife was wearing blue suede shoes. 
<laughs> it was a complete accident. I swear to you, because I wanted to make sure I had everything ready to when we went to Vegas. We, I didn't have to go shopping for anything. I already had everything with me. So I panic at the store. I'm like, it's July. You're supposed to have some white shoes here in Orlando. Come on, we're freaking Orlando. And I started going down, you know, the traditional something borrow, something new, something blue. So I'm like, okay, blue. So I found these comfortable blue suede shoes. And again, panic attack, you know, not paying attention to what I'm doing. I just said, okay, I got everything. We're going to go and have fun. It wasn't until my bestie and maid of honor said, really? We're in Vegas and you had to get blue suede shoes. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Literally a week. A week it took me to realize that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So with having families and kids there, so are you going to also have like little kids activity center there or daycare babysitters? How is that going to work? Well, due to liability reasons under my um, insurance for my event, I cannot have a daycare or um, anything like that. So I do let parents know that they're responsible for their kids. We do not provide um, child care based upon regulations. So, yeah. Okay. No, it's no good to know. That, or no, because I was just thinking, like, you know how the adults have their little activities. I just thought there's going to be, like, an activity room or something for the kids to do. But no, no, that makes sense with the liability. You, you give that another year or two. Oh, and all of a sudden, you know, 300 families show up. Sorry. You, you I was... Keep your... Keep your... <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking Florida Power Exchange where they had a whole room dedicated to the littles. Those are different littles. Right, I know. But I just <laughs> thought the same thing for Polly Dallas since it was family friendly, you know. Have a, you know, a, a local daycare be a sponsor of, you know, hey, we're providing child care or something. So, I mean, that's kind of... Oh. Good advertising as a sponsor. Just throwing it out there. Well, well, one of our volunteers is a um, nanny of 25 years, so um, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. She has to have a high side hustle. Come on. Girl got to make some money if she's volunteering. <laughs> Just putting it out there, ladies. <laughs> what she does is none of my business. So. Yep. It's like, that, it, here's your extracurriculum activities. It's like, <laughs> mom and dad could go here and the kids could go there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yep. I think you're also going to have some shows, some adult shows there, burlesque or poet night. Yeah, we, or... had, burle- we had burlesque last year. Um, this year we're doing a little more intimate entertainment. We have... Kit Kat, who's with Burlesque Erotique, which is out of Baton Rouge. No. Yeah. yeah. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was make sure I got the city right. And she's working with Diana, who's here, and she um, is half owner of Lifestyle Unlimited. So Lifestyle Unlimited is one of the largest black swing organizations. And so they're going to coordinate together, and we're going to—they're doing all of the entertainment. I don't know what they're going to do. I just said, "Don't get me charged with anything," and I'm okay. So um, there's going to be some wonderful events. Uh, wonderful. I'm not going to announce them here, 
but just if you have anything, you know, sexy or anything, any instruments or anything you want to bring, they'll probably be used highly. We may have one or two things we're thinking of. No promises. <laughs> okay, so that means we're driving now because we're not going to be able to bring it on the plane here. <laughs> yeah, so there is um, one event that is um, very exclusive that's going to be in one of in my suite. And then we have another event that's going to be more open, going to happen in another suite. And we have... Um, people who can go to a local swing club. We have um, another, we have two local swing clubs that we're partnering with. And and I think that's it. And then you have access to, you know, wineries and there's little bars around. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah, Grapevine is a nice little area there. I'm very familiar because I have a friend that lives up in Frisco. So we, we've been, mm-hmm. so we're familiarized with the Dallas airport area so and that's grown quite a bit so it's going to be kind of interesting to tell our vanilla friends hey we're in town but you can't join us (laughs) they oh okay no we'll invite them anyway well yeah we did yeah but you know I tried to convert her to the dark side she still says no but I'm like okay fine (laughs) (laughs) are they curious about anything you know here's the funny thing I, I fully believe that they are in an open marriage, but she's old school. She was born and raised in Mexico. We've been friends for over 24 years. We met down here on the Disney College program. Her husband uh-huh. was Mormon, and when they got married, the only line she ever told me, it's like, just no babies. That's it. You can do whatever you want, just no babies. I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys have an open policy, because he's a pilot, so he's always on the road. So... But she hasn't mm-hmm. confessed to me. I almost think she is. But I know she's straight as a board because I was there a couple of months ago earlier this year and I took one of my other bisexual girlfriends with her, with us and she was hitting on her and she freaked out. She's like, no. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're freaking oh. hot. What the hell? Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let, let's do your college years experiment in your 40s. It's yeah. all good. Mm-hmm. I have a thing for, you know, one of my partners is, I have a Puerto Rican young lady and uh, two Puerto Rican young ladies. Oh, we're on a show. Hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend, that was, she, yeah, she has mm-hmm. the hips to, mm, yeah, she has those Mexican <laughs> hips. Oh, that's all I could say. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have, um, I'm thinking of having workshops that are um in spanish uh-huh because there is a huge um community here but they're segregated once again um because of language True. and i have a couple of people that are willing to do workshops um for me in spanish and i don't know how you feel about that I don't know if you speak Spanish. I made an Oh, she does. Oh, I do. And I do do a couple of workshops here in Orlando, you know, translating. So, But it's always so comical because it's different Spanish because we have a strong Puerto Rican and Cuban 
market mm -hmm. here in Dominican Republic. So I always have to double check when I do my presentations. Okay, does this word really mean that word or am I offending somebody or am I saying something completely different that is not the same meaning? Mm -hmm. See, but at least over there, it's predominantly, I guess, a lot more Mexican, Mexican. Spanish versus the uh, Caribbean Spanish that we have over here. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing is, uh, as most people, you know, learn their language, like you with the second language, you learned it from home. So you know all the words, you can do, we've had comments, your Spanish is great, but you, you're not immersed in the culture where you know the medical terms and what the newest updated terms are. So occasionally we've gotten people like kind of correcting you from the audience going, I think you mean this. Yeah. I'm like, this is what I learned. Yeah, because uh, I took a Planned Parenthood Spanish, how to teach sex ed in Spanish. And we, it, it was, again, the debate of how do you say that between a Dominican Republican, a Cuban, a Puerto Rican, uh, a Guatemala girl, and myself. So there, wow. there's five different countries saying five different words for the same body part and anatomy. Wow. Wow, that is a huge assumption, and I didn't think about that. Yeah. Thank you for educating me. Oh, I really the... appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You know, because, because there is, you know, and that's something that is very, very um, important when I want to, when we want to do these types of things, is making sure that we work with someone like you or work with someone who's very aware. I'm not saying just like you, but mm -hmm. you just taught me a whole lot in that two minutes that we just had that conversation because I make, I mean, I may be, you know, black activists, but I'm, I just speak Southern Texas language. So, <laughs> No, agree, because, you know, I'm northern Chicago, so, yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for the fact that I've been living here in the south for 20-some-odd years, that I could tell the difference in vocabulary, just even mm -hmm. here in the States is one thing, but when you start throwing different cultures and different Spanish, I mean, I remember when I first discovered that language barrier, which is, you know, it's Spanish, the same thing, was when I first moved down to Florida, because there was a word that I use in Mexican Spanish was to beat somebody up, you know, because I was so pissed and angry at the person. I'm like, I want to kick the shit out of them. Which in Puerto Rican Spanish means I wanted to fuck the shit out of him. That I just want to fuck his brains good. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and no one corrected me until this cute little 18 year old boy was like, Miss Miss Angelique, do you know what you just said? And I'm like. What? I'm like, I almost killed the older guys. I'm like, you let me say this for how long? It's like, oh, we thought you knew. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, there's a heads yeah. up for your Spanish class. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, um, uh, I've had to explain to Americans, they're like, oh, Spanish is Spanish. And I have, obviously, if you ever nope. heard of a Cuban, a Puerto Rican, and a Mexican talk, and then someone from Spain, it, it is very different. And I kind of mm -hmm. broke it down to, okay, you're going to get a native New Yorker, a Texan, and someone from Anaheim, all in Valley Girl, all in the same room. Is that the same language? And then they're like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. Yeah. 
You Absolutely. Forgot, you forgot volume control on the different countries, too. Cause are you saying us New Yorkers are loud? Well, no, I can't even take offense to that. No, no I can't. You, you can't, but you know, you have the Mexican Speedy Gonzalez, then you have the hands-on Puerto Rican, just kind of monotone. The Spaniard is kind of like very low, you know, very quiet as a mouse, and the Cubano is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what else should people know about Polly Dallas? Because our time's almost up, but I definitely, I mean, we, we've talked everything possible, but yeah, this is really, yeah, we're, we're trying to grow your attendance. We, yeah, and you know, the thing is, I'm thinking about this conversation that we just had, and it's similar to what Polly Dallas is going to be. It's like three folks, three folks having a sit down you know, in the living room and just, you know, sexing out, geeking out, sex geeking out, you know, sexing out. And that's basically what it is. And it's with a whole lot of love and a whole lot of character. And I'm just hoping that individuals will come and enjoy coming to my house. You know, that's what I say. My mom, when you come to her house, everybody gets fed. And it's the kind of same mentality that I have. Oh, yeah. I think that's any ethnic parent there because I know in my household, it's like, no, no, you got to eat. You're too skinny. And I'm like, what? I just ate. It's like, <laughs> and then John has the same problem because he's Italian. And it's like, yeah, no, you haven't eaten enough. I was like, what was that first Easter? We brought over my family and they kind of freaked out because your mom had like a five course meal. <laughs> Yes, oh, she did. She I didn't did. Know you Italian? Yes, I am. I didn't know you were Italian. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so you have the Ita- oh the purebred Italian, the purebred Mexican with a half-bred child. Well, <laughs> the, the the really funny part of getting our families together was obviously the Mexican side. Everything has a tortilla in it, which to my side of the family is like, so everything's tacos. And like, no, 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 everything's different. And from their side of the family, it was, oh, it's spaghetti. And it's like, no, 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 there's spaghetti, there's linguine, there's rigatoni, there's, you know, the whole, the whole bit. And it was just funny, the stereotypes of them looking at each other, like, all you guys do is eat pasta and all you guys do is eat tacos. I'm like, there's a lot more than that to our cooking. I just want to be, when y'all all combine together and cook all the things. Just invite me. I'm just. I won't take up much space. Cause that's <laughs> oh, that just sounds beautiful. Oh yeah, that, that's why we do Thanksgiving all together because you have a little mix of everything. So, which was so funny because I grew up in Chicago and I grew up in you know a predominantly Latin neighborhood. So of course we had the American turkey. But then all the other Spanish ingredients, you know, the rice, the tamales, the uh, uh, gandules, all all the different stuff that it wasn't until I moved out to the suburbs that I realized there's these things called mashed potatoes, stuffing, and pie. I'm like, what's all this about? (laughs) You know, where's the rice? Where's the tamales? (laughs) (laughs) I think you had the same problem, didn't you? Because you, you always had pasta with turkey, didn't you? Oh, yeah, you know, it took me a while to realize, um, as part of being Italian, or at least just my household, there was pasta with everything. And I thought about it for a while. I'm like, yeah, even when we went to have a barbecue, there was macaroni salad. Oh, my God, there was pasta everywhere. 
So, Ruby, where could everyone find you? Because our time is up and we had so much fun, as always. Yes. Um, They can find me, um, the symposium, at www.polydallasmillennium.com or on Instagram at at polydallasmill, Twitter at polydallas, and on Tumblr at polydallas, and Facebook, (laughs) polydallas. Keep it simple. Definitely. So that way they can find and sign up. Registration's opening soon, I think it was. I, I wasn't sure if it's already Registration open. Registration is, is open tonight um, okay. at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Ooh, we're There's a couple off. of things that I need to do. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I picked the date. I'm like, okay, November 15th, everything's launching at last uh, proposal. There then, are no coincidences. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. I'm always plotting to take over the world with sex. <laughs> <laughs> and... Number one, I want to say is I want to thank you and John for just, you know, Angelique, it's just been wonderful having the level of support and love that y'all have extended to my mission, our mission. I always say my lot because I started this out, but it's an, our deal. You know, Polly Dallas is a team and I want to thank y'all so much. And so because I'm thanking y'all, I would like to pay for your plane ticket, your registration, and your hotel when you come to Poly Dallas. I, I don't know what to say. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to pick up my jaw right now. I'm like, what? I, what? Thank you. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, no, greatly, greatly appreciate that. But it's just, you know, the, this is just part of our mission. And this is one of our missions. That I think we even changed our mission statement to, like, we advocate and empower people for their sexual freedom. Because everyone yeah. needs to have options and know that, this is part of your life and there's resources and people to support you and educate you and help you. And wow, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm deeply grateful. Yes. You're welcome. We always, I mean, we pay it forward. You know, we're all family, you know, we're all in this together. I'm not a big scarcity model person and I don't think y'all are either. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Now, now I lost my track to of closing because I'm like, <laughs> all right okay it's like zen thank you focus there okay well thank you everyone you can find me everywhere on living the sex positive life dot com on social media i also wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor kink great who is giving our november giveaway which you can find on our um, blog page on living a sex positive life facebook giveaway enter to win uh, their latest toy and creation, which I'm trying to pull up here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Well, bad. I don't know the latest, but, but I've gotten the last two, and I have been most satisfied with it. Yeah, this is not, <laughs> this time around, they're not doing a box. They're actually doing... Go go with your thing while I find it out. <laughs> John C. Luna. <laughs> <laughs> you just love throwing the C in there all the time. I love it. But 
Uh, no, the last two months, King Crate is a monthly service that, for a reasonable fee, will send you a box or something uh, filled with a bunch of smaller products to explore perhaps something new sexual in the bedroom. Whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous, it doesn't make a difference. Um, one month, they sent us a rope kit with instructions and a nice little log and stickers. And what I love is they always include candy because everyone loves getting candy in the mail. <laughs> and uh, last month they actually had one on medical play, which was a uh, very interesting uh, little uh, doctor's get up. And uh, so you can play nurse and doctor and all that fun stuff and had some other uh, uh, toys in there. So have you found it? Yes, I did. So this month's giveaway from King Crate is a metal tickler, vibrating C-ring, whip bind scratch tickets, and two sample packets of the butter lube. So it's a little of their stuff that you could purchase from their website. So they, they like to switch it up so that way you guys know it's not just only the subscription box, but a la carte merchandise can be purchased from their website at kingcrate.com. And it's really nice because if, if you go ahead and look and let's say it's a new lube or a toy, sometimes these, these things are, are not inexpensive. I know we're lately seeing vibrators going up between $1 and $300 for a toy. So it's nice to get this little uh, sample of, we're interested in it, maybe we want to play with it, you do a little exploration, and then if you like it, there's more products to go, and if you don't, well, put that aside for later and wait for next month. So we appreciate you to enter in the contest because that supports us, that supports King Creek. Please visit our sponsor page on livingasexpositivelife.com, sponsors, and... I want to throw one more out there, and that is our other sponsor, which is The Woodshed in Orlando. They are having a stro- uh, shopping, I was going to say shopping, shopping extravaganza. You can tell uh, where his mind's at. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, this Saturday coming up, so if you're in the Orlando area, I believe it goes from like 3 to 8 p.m., and they're going to be having vendors from all over the Florida, and I think some are coming down from Georgia. All over, to, they're actually to, to vend. Yeah. So it's, it's toys, it's products. Uh, I'm hoping to get a kilt. So we'll see. Lately, I keep seeing all the kilts walking around. I'm like, yeah, I'm brave enough now. I got the calves. I can do that. So so if you do want to reach me, uh, I am John C. Luna on Facebook, Twitter, and FetLife. Please drop us a line and say hi and just let us know how we're doing and how you like the show or not. Thanks, everyone. Let's see you soon. Have a good night. Good night.